Very good morning, Amoka family. Welcome back to our First Corinthians pulpit series. And today we look at one of the most, perhaps the most familiar passage of all, First Corinthians chapter 13, a passage commonly used in weddings. But I can assure you that this passage is not so much talking about the romantic kind of love, but the enduring kind of love, which is still relevant for marriages. And because it's such a familiar passage, I would thought I would read from the Amplified Bible instead of the usual versions. Now, for those of us who are not so familiar with this translation, they attempt basically to flesh out as many nuances as possible based on the Hebrew and Greek text. A typical English translation tries to be succinct, but not the Amplified Bible. That's why it's called Amplified. Now, just a point to note that they will give commentary as they go along. And so these commentaries are found in squared brackets. They are not trying to add words to scripture, but really to give a richer meaning more nuances as possible as uh, they go along. Now, I just want to say here that there is no perfect translation. In, in all of the translations possible, there is no perfect translation. And so even the Amplified Bible, as they try to flesh out the meaning, explain the nuances, and try to connect uh, the sentences a bit more to give a better clarity to the reading, Sometimes it can also go a little bit overboard, perform a bit of eisegesis, so-called reading meaning into the text, rather than exegesis, reading meaning out of the text. But nonetheless, I think it's still an overall good translation to gain deeper insights into the Word of God. It's definitely refreshing if you're tired of using the usual NIV, ESV, and so on and so forth. Let us now hear the Word of God using the Amplified Bible. Beginning at verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, for others growing out of love, God's love for me, then I have just become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love, that love that reaches out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burnt so that I may boast, either as a martyr or something else, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. Now, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So as you can see in this quick reading of scripture, you see how the Amplified Bible really amplifies the meaning of the scripture text. Come, let us go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this sermon. Lord, we thank you for your word. And this is such an important word for all believers. Holy Spirit, plant this word deep into our hearts. Let your love fill us afresh that we may overflow with this kind of love that we will study in Jesus' name today. Amen. 
Now, quite a number of us are familiar with uh, Gary Chapman's Five Languages of Love. If you're unfamiliar, I want to recommend that you get yourself a copy. Uh, you get a family a copy as well. But basically, according to Gary Chapman, there are five languages of love, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, acts of service, and quality time. It's an insightful, practical book to repair or enhance our relationships with one another. According to 1 Corinthians 13, however, I want to propose a sixth language, albeit a silent one, the silent language of enduring love. Gary Chapman's book focuses on expressing one's love and receiving one's love through these five different expressions of giving and receiving love. 1 Corinthians 13, however, brings an aspect of love perhaps Asians are a bit more familiar with, the silent but ever-present, quiet but enduring kind of love. Look again at verses 4 to 8, this time from the familiar NIV. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. It's an enduring kind of love. By the way, the word love that is used throughout this entire chapter is the very familiar agape love unconditional love of God. So when I think about these verses, I think of the following examples, often forgotten, often unspoken examples of enduring love. I think of the breastfeeding mom who sacrificially sits there for an hour or more until the, her arms are numb so as not to disturb you know, the sleeping, the feeding infant. I think of the parent who constantly considers the needs of their of the child with special needs and plans their schedule around them. I think of the parents who juggle the stress of home-based learning and their work demands. I think of parents who utilize their annual leave, not so much for vocations, but so that they can attend the toddler's kindergarten performance or maybe cheering their child at a school, school sports event. I also think of the adult parent who longs to give a word of advice to their young adult child, but cannot do so for fear of jeopardizing their fragile relationship. I also think of the spouse who bears with all the idiosyncrasies of their spouse because they're committed to the marriage vows. I think of the grandparent who waits patiently for that once a week or even once a month visit from the rest of the family. I think of those facing a demented family member day in, day out. Finally, I think of the family member who chooses not to disclose the doctor's diagnosis so as not to burden or cause their family members to worry. I see so many examples of quiet, enduring love every day. While one might classify these acts, you know, these examples under acts of service, I think there is a significant difference. Acts of service is largely proactive. What you do, what one does, you can clean the house, you can wash the dishes, you iron the clothes, you know, fetch the kids to and fro, so and so forth. They are active in nature. Suffering, enduring, quiet love, however, focuses on occasions where one does nothing. We do nothing, and yet we are still loving. That's the significance difference. Maybe we Asians know this side of love a bit better. 
just because we do nothing or say nothing doesn't mean we do not love or are not concerned. Many times the love which speaks the loudest is that patient, enduring love, which is why I chose to read from the Amplified Bible. It says, love endures with patience and serenity. That really fleshes out the meaning in the Greek text, that enduring love found in verse 4. And so if we can understand this concept of quiet, enduring love, basically we would have grasped the essence of the whole book of 1 Corinthians. Recall again the main problem with the Corinthian church. They were filled with spiritual pride. First, they thought highly of themselves and their supposed wisdom and knowledge. Paul had to scold them and tell them that God uses the weak to shame the strong and uses the fool to shame the wise. The Corinthians also had divisions, you know, lawsuits in the church because they were carnal in their thinking. They thought so highly of their own rights. You know, that there was even a faction thinking they were better than Apostle Paul himself. Then they also practiced sexual immorality, claiming so-called to be free to do anything they wanted. In their so-called superior uh, spiritual knowledge, they happily ate from idols' tables without a thought about whether they were stumbling a brother or sister in Christ. And as if participating in an idol's feast wasn't bad enough, they desecrated the Lord's table when the wealthy Corinthians ostracized the poor ones. And finally, in the area of spiritual gifts, they were again factious, they were jealous of one another, conveniently forgetting that they were all members of one body. And so in a nutshell, we see the problem. The Corinthians were absolutely self-obsessed. The only concern they had was me, myself, and I. That's the root problem. And so 1 Corinthians 13 captures the heartbeat of Paul's solution to this problem of self-obsession, spiritual pride. To Paul, only God's unconditional, agape, quiet, enduring love can display this superficial, showy kind of self from their lives. Only God's enduring love, only God's enduring love can displace our selfish love. In the area of spiritual gift, Paul says in verses 1 to 4, and I just do a quick summary, even if you have all these wonderful spiritual gifts, but you do not have that kind of quiet, enduring love, you are nothing. If your spiritual gifts are merely to show off and not to suffer alongside, you are nothing. By the way, 1 Corinthians 13 should not be used as a basis not to pursue spiritual gifts. You see, gifts and loves are not mutually exclusive. One can be gifted and not loving. You can also be loving and not use your gifts at all. So 1 Corinthians 12 ends with Paul saying, Earnestly desire the greater gifts, the higher gifts, yet I will show you a more excellent way. So notice here, Paul didn't say, Stop pursuing all spiritual gifts, just need to love. No, Paul didn't say that at all. Instead, he says, Continue to pursue the higher spiritual gifts, but don't forget this important dimension, this ingredient of love. Why? Because love is not a gift. Love is a way of life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us that love is not a gift, but instead it is the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul used the word way in chapter 12 to demonstrate that love is not a gift, but a way of life. If love was a gift, then the Corinthians could easily wiggle their way out and say, oh, I don't have the gift of love, so I'm not supposed to love my brother or sister in Christ. 
If we understand scripture correctly, love is never a gift. Love is a choice. To endure lovingly is always a choice. Importantly, we need to recognize that such love can only happen in our lives if we choose to first abide in God's unfailing, unconditional, quiet, enduring love. First John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because He first loved us. We have no capacity in ourselves to love in such a way that is enduring, quiet, forever, everlasting. But when God loves us and we experience that love, it overflows from us to love others in the same way. Only God's unconditional, self-giving love can displace our selfish love for ourselves. Verses 1 to 8 essentially undergird then how we should exercise our spiritual gifts and live our Christian lives to do everything with a quiet, enduring love for others. Even if we don't get the honor and the glory like the other so-called you know, better body parts or so-called higher profile Christians, it's okay. We will still use our spiritual gifts. Even if we are being shortchanged at the Lord's Supper, we celebrate it anyway. If we are being wrong, all says, why not rather be wrong? Let go of the lawsuit. Don't let the name of Christ be dragged through the mud and the church's dirty linen be washed in public. Paul himself also cites himself as an example of an apostle who forsook his rights and even embraced a celibate life just to follow Christ wholeheartedly. So really the solution to pride is returning to God's unconditional, selfless kind of love. It is this quiet, unconditional, enduring, selfless, tenacious love which will overcome spiritual pride. This is why, even though faith, hope and love remain, love is the greatest. You see, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Without faith, verse 6 says, it is impossible to please God. That's why faith comes first. In this list, in this trinity, faith, hope and love, faith comes first. Faith is the necessary first step but it is not the greatest. Because as Paul wrote earlier in this chapter, you can have faith that move mountains, but if you do not have love, you are nothing. Hope is also important. Hope looks forward to a better day. Things may or may not pan out as you desire in the future, but hope keeps you moving forward. So hope is great, but it is not the greatest force on earth. And again, as Paul wrote earlier, you may provide hope for thousands by dishing out food, by feeding the poor. But if you don't have love, you are nothing. Love, on the other hand, the agape love of God, especially with, as we have explored in this sermon, this quiet, enduring kind of love, without knowing when the day of tribulation will end, that is the greatest of all. What if healing doesn't come? What if you had faith, but still not healed? What if the future remains bleak, what if you had hope, but that hope had disappointed you earlier? You see, we all know that faith sometimes gives way to doubts. And hope sometimes gives way to despair. But one thing is clear. Love never fails. Love never ends. This quiet, enduring, unconditional love which pleasures to remain no matter the circumstance. That is why love is the greatest. Whether your child is immature, your family member is stubborn, or your parent is demented, 
the love which chooses to remain, to endure, is the greatest. Why is love also the greatest? Because this is the kind of love that God has demonstrated on the cross. When we rebelled and disobeyed Him, His love remained. When we choose to walk by sight and not by faith, His love remains. When our love failed, our faith crumbled, His love still remains because God cannot deny Himself. Paul writes also in verse 8, where there are prophecies, they will cease, where there are tongues, they will be stilled, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. Now, let me just teach a bit deeper here at verses 8 to 12. In Greek grammar, there are two kinds of uh, dependent clauses. The first category, the conditional clause, is a conditional clause using the word en, E-A-N. Uh, you know, so basically the first category is something like that. If A does something to B, then I will do C. So it's conditional. If A does something to B, then I will go ahead and do C. The second, the second category is the unconditional clause using another word, ethe in Greek. Whether A does something to B or not, I will go ahead and do C. So you notice these different categories. One is conditional. If A does something to B, I will go ahead and do C. But if A doesn't do it, then I won't do C. It's conditional. But there is an unconditional type of clause. Whether A does something to B or not, I'm going to go ahead and do C. And so the first three verses in this chapter basically utilizes the conditional clause. If I give my body over to the flames, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I have faith that move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. The second category is found in verse 8. It's unconditional. Whether we like it or not, Paul says, prophecies will one day stop and tongues will one day cease. Whether we like it or not, whether, you know, what's the earlier conditions, it's going to happen anyway. Now, based on this concept that prophecies and tongues will one day cease, there is a group of believers who believe the supernatural, charismatic, spiritual gifts are no longer operational in our world today. They are called cessationists, and due to the uh, lack of time in this sermon, I'll pick up on this topic uh, after the sermon is over. It's a separate recording. I will justify, you know, I will explain to you uh, why uh, they take this position and why I think this position is untenable. But for today, I just want to say that if you look at chapters 12 to 14 in one sitting, you'll realize that chapter 13 can be optional. You can easily move from the last verse in chapter 12 to the first verse in chapter 14. But Paul wrote chapter 13 to highlight the importance of love, just as a beef patty is crucially important to a hamburger. The right way to understand these three chapters is to see them holistically, which is this, always exercise your spiritual gifts in love. That is the crux of these three chapters. Always exercise your spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, which we'll study next week, in love. The quiet, enduring kind of love. We are not supposed to choose between the patty, you know, and the buns. It's supposed to be a whole burger. Paul says that we now look dimly through a mirror. 
having only partial knowledge, whereas love will never fail and never end. As great and prophecies and knowledge are, really, they are only a small component of the big picture. Let me give you an example. Years ago, before Val and I had kids, while we were still worshipping at our previous church, we had some difficulty conceiving. During one prayer meeting, a church member saw a vision of us in the playground with two children. I remember this person distinctly said, I cannot really tell the exact age or gender of the children, but I definitely see two children with the both of you at the playground. Now, that prophecy was clearly partial in knowledge, either because the church member was still learning to exercise this gift or God chose to withhold certain information or to obscure certain information in that revelation. But quite clearly, that prophecy was partial in knowledge, even though it turned out to be true, right? However, when that prophecy was released, it gave us hope, even though it was partial. It gave us hope. Hey, God knows, and that future is awaiting us. It stirred our faith to believe in God. Yet, despite having faith and hope, we don't really know when this vision will be fulfilled. There was no timeline. There was no timeline given in this prophecy or this vision. And there were many intervening months when we were disappointed over and over again. This is where quiet, enduring love comes in. Now, as in then, faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest among this is love. Despite not knowing when this vision will be fulfilled, we were deeply comforted with the revelation that God knows about our situation, that God cares. Importantly, it reminded us that God has never abandoned us. His quiet, enduring love has always been with us, even if we do not yet see the fruition of that vision of that prophecy. I don't know what situation you are struggling with today. But today we are going to have a Zoom healing prayer room after the online service. There may or may not be prophecies released over you. And even if there are prophecies released, you are not going to receive everything in one prophecy. It's going to be partial in some way. The prophecies, yes, they may stir up faith, you know, release hope to you, but they may also not, right? But regardless of all things, whatever transpires later on, you can be very sure of one thing, and that is God's love for you never changes. It never fails. It never ceases. So I want us to walk away knowing don't ever doubt God's quiet, enduring love for you. No matter what the circumstances may be, love is the greatest. When we are not healed, our prayers are not answered, it doesn't mean that God does not love us any less. His love is a quiet, enduring kind of love, which never ends and never fails. There are some words of knowledge towards the end of the service that I will release. The prayer ministers have taken time to pray, to seek the Lord, and we will release it over you. And of course, if that condition of yours is being called out, praise the Lord, you can be very clear that God wants to touch you and meet with you in your point of need. But even if the word of knowledge, you know, the condition that you have is not being called out by the word of knowledge, again, it doesn't mean God does not love you. His love for you never changes. How do we know that? Because we look at the cross. This is the clearest sign of God's quiet and enduring love. 
let's come back to the scripture passage. Paul writes, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Do you know what goes on in children's minds most of the time? It's me, myself, and I. Much like the Corinthians. The crying, fasting infant does not consider whether the mom's arms are numb or not. The child with special needs may not even ever be aware of what the parents have done or sacrificed for them. My children, my own children, grumble about home-based learning without sparing a thought for my wife who is watching them as well as having to do her own work. The toddler who performs or the teenager who is competing in the school sports event is focused on their own act and performance. Too many young adults live their own lives without considering the loneliness of their parents. I too am guilty of not visiting my grandma and my parents often enough. How many of us children can truly say we know the heartaches of our parents? You see, we are also children, right? And like children, very few of us remember the quiet, enduring, selfless kind of love of our parents and of also of God. The kind of love which sacrifices and puts others first. If we are truly honest, in our relationship with God, we frequently behave like infants and children too, immature children. We think to ourselves, God, why did you allow this bad situation to happen to me? God, why me? God, save me. We are so self-absorbed. We are so preoccupied also with me, myself, and I. We look at ourselves in the mirror so much that we forget the people outside of the mirror. When we look at the mirror, our attention is on ourselves. It is only when we finally stop looking at the mirror that we are able to give fuller attention to the faces of people around us, whether it's the face of our spouse, our children, our extended family, our parents, our colleagues, our cell members, or so-called the very face of God in a metaphorical sense. It's when we stop looking at ourselves in the mirror that we can see all these other faces around us and learn to meet their need with a quiet, enduring love. Because the fact is, none of us have the solution to all the problems around us. We can't, but we can be there with people who are going through all these problems. Of course, today we will pray for the sick. And of course, today we want to have faith to trust God and pray for the breakthrough in your healing, in your circumstances. But if we listen carefully to God's voice for us today, His message is very clear. My child, no matter what happens today, never doubt my quiet, enduring love for you. The love which endures patiently and kindly. You don't see the big picture. Often you only see dimly through a mirror. But God says His agape love is always there for us. So Amokyo family and friends, I want to encourage us Let's focus once again our attention on God. His enduring love which never fails, never ends. Let's have the faith to believe that no matter what happens, you know, we can still trust in God's promises. And if we desire, let's have the hope to desire for breakthrough in our lives. But above all, again, we need to come back and anchor ourselves upon this quiet, enduring and everlasting love of God.
which is the greatest love of all. Now, before we close in prayer, again, I mentioned the prayer leaders took time to seek the Lord's face. And here are some words of knowledge that they have prayed and received, and they are exercising their spiritual gifts in faith. And so I want to encourage them as well to release these words of knowledge to you. If your condition is being called out, just receive by faith the healing that comes from God. First of all, someone or people with pain and problems with the jaw and gums. If that's your condition, reach out to God and ask for healing right now. Second group of people, those with hand wrist injury is not given to me, whether it's a left hand or right hand. See, it's partial in knowledge, but it doesn't mean that the word is not true. And so if you have a hand wrist injury, pray and ask God for healing. Third category, people in their 40s and 50s with this fear of losing financial security. If you are in this group, pray and ask God to fill you with faith for the breakthrough, give you the love to trust Him through this difficult circumstance. A similar point, some with unfounded fear, lots of anxiety, maybe due to COVID, or whatever the circumstances may be. Trust in God's unfading love for you. Next, people who are stuck in shame and guilt and repeated cyclical sins. Remember, we are stuck in sin because we forget to look at God. When we focus our attention on God, His love will dispel everything within us which is selfish, and sin definitely is selfish. Only God's love can overcome and cover up our shame and our guilt. So once again, I invite you to look at Jesus on the cross. And finally, the last group of people who need forgiveness. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven in this world. If you think that way, you have basically nullified the work of Jesus on the cross. You are trying to say to God, God, whatever you have done on the cross, my sin is greater. I can never be forgiven. That's a wrong thinking. God, when Christ died on the cross, his death has paid the price for forgiveness of all sins. So let's bow to the, come to the Lord in prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If your conditions were called out, receive God's healing touch by faith. If your conditions were not called out, God is a generous God. We may not fully understand why He obscured certain knowledge. He didn't call your condition today. But believe, but believe. God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that truly you have demonstrated the greatest enduring love of all. When you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, when you, Jesus, you endured the shame and suffering on the cross, you have demonstrated this quiet, enduring love because you died for sinners such as us. But Lord, we thank you that you love us. You desire for breakthroughs in our lives. And so, Father, I pray you will send your angels, you will send your Holy Spirit to touch each of us, meet us at our point of need, and heal us whatever our need may be. Give us once again, all of us, this fresh confidence in your enduring, everlasting love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.